Hello everyone, welcome to One Bit Wonders. What you just listened to was Snow Drift by DJ Codman based on the soundtrack of Mario Kart Double Dash. Today I'm joined by Mara, a Bitsy developer and a friend of mine, to talk about Pocket Station and also Playmaker by Dustin Miro, an art creation studio designed from the ground up for Playdate and heavily inspired by Mario Paint. Let's get started. Recording is on. Hello everyone, welcome to One Bit Wonders. Today with me is Mara, who is known for developing a lot of Bitsy games and is currently also making stuff for Pulp. So can you tell us a little more about you, Mara? Hi, it, uh, it's, it's cool to be here. Um, yeah, I've been developing games in Bitsy, which is what Pulp is inspired by uh, for quite a while, and I'm currently working on my own game. Uh, I'm just really into the Playdate community and uh, into these weird little consoles, uh, especially like one-bit consoles, actually. So it's really cool to to hang out and to uh, talk. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of quirky one-bit consoles, uh, we are going to talk about the Pocket Station today, Sony's answer to Dreamcast's BMU. So yes. last time I talked about it, um, I kind of, um, you know, underestimated the little thing and um, thought it was, uh, you know, an underdeveloped uh, little device um, that Sony just rushed to compete with the Dreamcast and didn't do much with it. I was wrong. They actually mm -hmm. did a lot. And uh, it was quite successful, actually. Now, I think the reason why I initially had that prejudice is because um, for North America, the BMU had way more content. But in Japan, uh, the winner was definitely Pocket Station. Mm -hmm. uh, because the, the only game that was actually localized for America that you can you know, play the mini games uh, on your Pocket Station if you have the American copy of the game um, is Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, any other game with Pocket Station functionality um, you need the Japanese version because they removed that functionality for the international release. Um, and there were a couple of, uh, of titles that really, really took advantage of it, which is something that we didn't really see with the Dreamcast. Um, I think the title that took the most advantage was Sonic Adventure uh, with its Chao Garden mode. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, with the Pocket Station, it's a bit of a different story. There were actually games focused around the Pocket Station. Um, yeah, um, one of them was uh, Pocket Dungeon uh, for the PlayStation, uh, which was released in 2000, if, if I could talk about it for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, um, so it's kind of a not well-known game at all, uh, but... It was a fully fledged uh, first-person RPG in the in the vein of uh, Eye of the Beholder, for example, and um, it actually uh, was only for the Pocket Station. You could uh, look at your enemies in a little more detail on the console itself, but it took up the entirety of the memory card, which was technically what the Pocket Station was—a a fancy memory card. 
So it's it's a really interesting example of just how far you know a 32 by 32 pixel screen can be can be pushed into uh, a full uh, retail release. So yeah, um, but now I think it's time to talk about one of the mo- kind of killer apps of the Pocket Station, which was Doku Demo uh, Issue. Yeah, uh, I may be butchering that name, but <laughs> yeah, Doko Demo Isho. Um, that was the debut of Toro Inoue, uh, which is um, that weird Sony cat that you often see as the mascot, which many <laughs> people don't know where the hell it came from. Well, it's that game, Doko Demo Isho. Right. It's, it's actually a virtual pet game. Um, but you can actually talk to your little pet and do little mini games on the pocket station and on the PlayStation. Well, you actually get to see a house with furniture that you can customize, like in Animal Crossing. Um, it actually has some Tomodachi life vibes to it as well. Right. Um, it also yeah. kind of looks like a um, Animal Crossing character, to be fair. Yeah, and that's not all. That, that's not the only character. There are like four or five different um, pets you can choose from. Yeah. But uh, the one that really, really took off, and uh, well, it was on the cover of the uh, game, so of course it did. Was Toro Inoue? Yeah, the the mm-hmm. little Sony cat, basically. Yeah. yeah. I did. But, uh, yeah. Did uh did this game release alongside the Pocket Station? Actually, um, I I only I only wonder because uh, I think it, the Pocket Station toll sold about sixty thousand in two weeks, so it would make sense that uh, it would have. I'm not entirely sure. What I do know is that it was a killer app. Um, yeah. Well, it lost. It launched the same year. Um, that's for sure. Um, right. So yeah, I think it came the same day, but. I am not entirely sure about that. Um, yeah, from, from what I'm seeing, it, it looks like it was actually bundled with a pocket station uh, in some releases, at least. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And oh, yeah, there's also like a little robot, a rabbit, another cat, a frog. Well, there's actually three cats <laughs> um, and a dog. Yeah, those are your virtual pets hmm. for that game. And yeah, the whole thing is that on the TV, um, you can see your character uh, in full color walking around the house, uh, you know, uh, talking to you and stuff. Uh, You Mm -hmm. could buy furniture with the points you earned on the go. Um, Like you could do mini games and stuff. Um, But Yeah. yeah. That was a game that really took advantage of both the PlayStation and the Pocket Station together um, to create an experience. Because if it was just the Pocket Station, um, you know, visually it wouldn't have, uh, you you know, the furniture wouldn't be like as detailed and the animations wouldn't be, you know, as expressive. But uh, by using both, yeah, if you yeah. only had the PlayStation, uh, on the other hand, 
uh, you won't be able to take this virtual pet on the go, which is like kind of one of the main selling points of a virtual pet that you can take it with you. Right. Um, I, I think also what's kind of interesting is these kinds of little consoles, The a big uh, theme throughout them seems to be you play the main game and then you take something with you in order to gain some kind of currency or points, uh, which was kind of seen later in something a lot of people listening may have played, which was uh, Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver had a very similar little device um, in the form of a Pokeball, which kind of had a very similar vibe to this game many years before. Yeah, I actually want to talk about it in a full hmm. episode, maybe. Um, that would be cool. Um, yeah. yeah, I actually have it on like the list of devices I want to talk about <laughs> later. Awesome. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I really underestimated the Pocket Station and Sony's support for it and the third-party support, which right. was surprisingly big. Uh, in Japan, I mean, <laughs> like yeah. worldwide, it was tiny, just one game. Right. I <laughs> yeah, I actually looked, I actually counted, and uh, according to Wikipedia, 84 different PlayStation games supported the Pocket Station, including, you know, a lot of really, really pivotal titles for this console. Yeah, um, there's like a version of Metal Gear Solid that mm -hmm. does that. There's also... Um, Final Fantasy VIII, which we've mentioned a lot. Yeah. Uh, Both of the Spyro games, or two of the Spyro games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one Crash game also. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's three, but I'm not sure. Um, also, um, you know, I want to talk a little about the battery, which from what I've read um, is a lot better than the BMU. The hmm. BMU had uh, awful battery life from everything I've heard. I actually had uh, some BMUs, but my brother changed them for an N64, so <laughs> I don't have them anymore um, around my house. But I did play a little with it with them, and yeah. Uh, but uh, also, one problem that it shares with the BMU is the storage. Um, so it has, uh, you know, you have to use the storage for the. Uh, save files of your games and also for the mini games so it really really um goes through your storage fast um, right pocket station um, yeah so you know, you, actually, sorry <laughs> you really needed to have a pocket station like if you had more than three or four games um you really needed another memory card along the pocket station um mm -hmm. because they um uh, you know uh, they could hold some, you know, a couple of games, but that's about it. Uh, like, um, however, uh, one advantage it has over the Dreamcast is that uh, the Dreamcast BMU allow, allowed you to take uh, one game with you. And with the Pocket Station, you can take uh, a couple, uh, like, oh, yeah. I don't, as many as you can fit, I think. Yeah. You know, actually, the... Um... That memory card issue was kind of uh, assuaged by the Pocket Dungeon game I was talking about earlier. Um, you would actually put two memory cards in, the the um, Pocket Station and another one, and it would save your game from the Pocket Station game onto a second memory card. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, that's back when <laughs> these, these things got like 
what uh, <laughs> two megabytes or something right storage yeah so they couldn't fit a lot yeah and only two kilobytes of memory on the pocket station actually yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um, there's also a bit of a homebrew scene for it mm -hmm. um i'm not sure if tetris is homebrew or not i i think it was actually included in the next tetris or something like that uh mm -hmm. the japan version or maybe it was homebrew. Uh, all I know is that there is a Tetris version for the um, Pocket Station. Um, there's so I think I, you know, I don't like a lot about the Pocket Station are the controls because right. it doesn't have a traditional V-pad. It has like uh, four buttons, um, and they kind of had to do it that way because otherwise it wouldn't be able to connect to the um, PlayStation um, because of the way it is set up, like um, the actual, you know, um, how do I say it? Um, the inputs are kind of, uh, you know, in the same PCB as they are in as the memory oh, yeah. itself. So yeah. the it's buttons all one really are just the yeah. Uh, you you take the buttons like uh, you flip them open. Um, so they are flat and you can then connect them to the, it's weird. Um, yeah. definitely weirder than the way Dreamcast did it, which was you just connect the thing upside down, I think. And... Mm. Yeah. Funny. It's funny. You know, we talk about, or people talk about how bad the controls are on the pocket station, but the Nintendo switch did it many years later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, so, they kind of cut too, but right. <laughs> <still>. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, that's my <laughs> So um there's also another game I want to talk about, which is Pocket Moo Moo, which was a, a spin-off yes. of Jumping Flash, which was a, a really innovative game. It was one of the first um 3D platformers ever. Mm -hmm. Um it was in first person. Um I have played through it, and yeah, it's a cool little game. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a it's it's a beautiful game, but a game with controls that are uh, painfully pre Mario sixty four. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think the I really like the way you know um, when you jump, you see uh, you see downward. Right. Um, that's excellent for a platforming game. Um, I love that. Totally um, agree. There, yeah, that, that was a really, really wise decision. Um, also, uh, yeah, we were talking about Pocket Mumu. Yeah, it's right. a spin off of that game. Um, there are like a couple of islands you can, you know, fly between. Mm -hmm. Um, and each one of those islands has uh different little shops and you know, uh, like park attractions or stuff like that. Um, right. And you could uh, there um, talk to the residents to get more mini games into your uh, device. And also, I think with the points you won from the mini games, um, you could uh, buy more. Um, you you know you could um, you could, you add, could get... yeah you could add stuff to your little villages uh, basically. Yeah, apparently it was uh, the the main issue is that. 
uh, everything costs so much in the game that it, it quickly becomes tedious. But, um, but, but considering there's so many little games and trinkets to play on Pocket Moo Moo, I don't imagine it would be uh, it would be too bad. <laughs> yeah, there's something between uh, 25 and 30 uh, different um, mini games. Uh, according, to, according to Hardcore Gaming, there are actually 70 um, holy, mini games, holy. and there are 30 little tools, which are things like uh, kitchen timers and address books, that kind of thing. So there's oh, quite a lot. Yeah, it seems to be quite packed. Um, yeah, it makes sense that, you know, Dokole Moisho and um, Pocket Mumu really are the killer apps because they, um, you know, packed a lot into those games. Right. Uh, so one of the most interesting uh, things you could do, I think, with uh, Pocket Mumu, well, I'm not sure if it was part of Pocket Mumu or something, of the utilities. Um, there was actually a TV remote application interesting yeah because it has like an infrared um functionality so yeah. you could actually use it as a tv remote um which really you could also do with a mission impossible cartridge for the G for the game boy um, i was just about to mention that that's exactly yeah. what i was going to mention <laughs> yeah, yeah i think but... that was the only use for the ir sensor on the game boy color frankly <laughs> Now, also the you know uh, the infrared was also used for multiplayer. Yeah. So um, yeah, there was a Digimon uh, game. I think it was Pocket Digimon Monst <laughs> something like po like Digimon Pocket World or something like that. Interesting. Um, it used um, the Pocket Station as sort of a Digibyte, so you could take your Digimon with you and battle your friends and stuff. Hmm. It's really cool. Yeah. Mm, there's also one game called Poketan, which is basically an English training program. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you could play it on the big screen and take some lessons with you um, on the go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's... really cool. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's also kind of interesting uh, just how much... The VMU and the Pocket Station kind of later influenced uh, Nintendo to release a completely standalone console, right? The Pokemon Mini, um, which it I think is kind also of on yeah, my list. Yeah, the Pokemon Mini I think perfected this idea. It's a fantastic little console. Love it. Well, I'm not sure if it, in the aspect I don't think it gets you know um, right as much as the other two, the BMU and the uh, Pocket Station, is mm -hmm. like the, the you know, uh, transferring uh, or like the um, playing a game on your big screen and taking, uh, you know, part of it with you. And, right. you know, the both consoles kind of um, doing their own thing and um, both kind of um, connecting to each other. Right. Um, yeah, that's one thing that the Pokemon Mini doesn't really have. But... Right, and I guess that just comes down to it being, you know, a, a system with actually interchangeable cartridges, right? Which um, is kind of, I think, a weird choice on Nintendo's part, considering that they were $20 for little, you know, Pocket Station-esque games. But they did definitely kind of 
go through with the whole aspect and get on this train, um, of course, with the Game Boy player. Or sorry, not the, the Game Boy player, but the uh, the the Game Boy Advance to uh, GameCube connector, right? Kind of similar. Yeah, yeah that, um, that's really a better example of that, um, you know, interconnectivity. But if we're talking about one-bit handhelds, then yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. is one of the uh, is on par maybe with the Pocket Station and the um, BMUs, but um, yeah. Um, I also want to mention um, that there, yeah, there is um, an emulator uh, for the PlayStation Vita where you can play the. Um, PlayStation, um, the classic PlayStation games. Um, well, you can play their Pocket Station mini games. Um, right. With that emulator, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a great example of the way, or of the popularity and legacy that the Pocket Station had. Because you know, in 2013, Sony released a full teaser video saying that on November 5th, you know, there would be Pocket Station news, as if it was this big thing, which is something kind of uh, quaint, I guess, to other audiences who didn't really have the console. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, is there, well, to me, it's kind of, uh, you know, um, kind of strange that Pocket Moomoo Pocket Mumu kind of uh, wanted people to use the, um, Pocket Station as both a tiny gaming machine and a PDA. That's hmm. interesting. I yeah. I actually really like it when um, you know um, companies don't uh, think about whether they should do something. They just <laughs> do it. Uh, yes, I love that. Uh, like so, some people uh, really question it, but I totally dig it whenever it happens. Absolutely. Um, and I, I guess you can kind of see that by us both being Playdate fans, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Nintendo in particular has gone pretty crazy at certain times uh, with its just unnecessary, <laughs> you know. Yeah, the 3DS was packed with features. Yes, like, definitely. The 3D um, camera and, uh, you know, it had, yeah, it had a lot. Right. And... Like the fact, I think the craziest example I know of uh, might be a little off topic is the fact that um, you can transfer a uh, an animated GIF of you through the Game Boy camera onto a PlayStation DD um, SimCity game, so that you can be in SimCity, and it requires a absolutely ridiculous amount of peripherals. But yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> also use that PlayStation DD. Oh God. Yeah. Well, here we are. In 64. Yeah. Um, So, um, uh, is there something else you want to say about the Pocket Station and the games? Or Uh, I think maybe one thing kind of bouncing around my head. um, It's, I think we've touched really everything in terms of the Pocket Station, but uh, one interesting thing to consider is like the first handheld console ever in 1979 was also a one-bit console. It was, you know, the this, the Microvision, which was a 16 by 16 one-bit console. So it's, it's really interesting to see that um, 
what we once what we now consider these these quaint little little consoles and what will be on the play day uh once was the cutting edge so mm -hmm. yeah i think that yeah that's interesting and also that was when everyone was jumping in the virtual pet gold rush after tamagotchi and pokemon really really took off right uh, you know uh sega wanted a piece of the pie with their chows uh, which are absolutely adorable um, <laughs> yes. and also sony once wanted their piece of the pie with doco de mauricio mm. um, so yeah that's uh, kind of cool actually yeah <laughs> A cool piece of history uh, that whole well actually i have a science fiction story where um you you, you see you know how there's uh stories where you know the cold war no the yeah the cold war continued the space race continued and stuff like that uh yeah. i wanted to imagine a world where the virtual pet war uh went uh like super crazy with uh, <laughs> artificial intelligence advancements and stuff um yeah i mean yeah. i guess if you go far enough you just have dogs again but now they're robots <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's called silicon cages actually it's my sci-fi universe but uh, like awesome. it gets dark <laughs> like i i do have some scenes where and it like also criticizes like a lot of the recent, um, you know, NFT culture and right. things like that. Uh, there's, yeah, with some metaphors, of course, uh, like it's not directly NFTs or anything like right. that. Right. I'm um, a huge, I'm a huge like dystopian cyberpunk fan. So I, yeah, super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, well, yeah, now that I've done that, uh, you know, self-promote there, <laughs> uh, we could talk a little about um, this other thing. Uh, oh yeah, the right. Playmaker. Yeah. Uh, so Playmaker uh, is a project uh, for Playdate by Dustin Miro, which mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not sure I'm not pronouncing that right, but whatever. Yeah. Um, which is basically like one bit Mario Paint, which I absolutely dig. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Super exciting. It has, it has um, you know, the charm and ease of use of Mario Paint, but, you know, in a one bit aesthetic. Um, like it's a software you can use to create um, pixel art and also music, uh, mm -hmm. but it's all in such a playful package that I really, really dig. Right, same here. Um, I, I was real. I really fell in love with the music maker, which uh, kind of a no-brainer idea that I, I don't think anyone else really had was uh, the music box. What a great idea for the crank. Yeah, and they actually take advantage of it. In yeah. that game. Um, there's also something you can, well, it's called stamps. So you make stamps with uh, your pixel art, and mm -hmm. then you can use them, you know, in the music app. Like you can set a stamp to be certain sound, like yeah. certain custom sound, and, and you can, yeah. Wow. Like wow. a modular Mario, Mario Paint music kind of yeah. thing yeah there's also um something a mode called blocks 
where you basically, um, well, there's like a board where you put um, blocks of different shapes um, mm. and you can also place your stamps there to form uh, little images, but they mm. are not all like um, super pixelated. Like some of them are, um, you know, more, uh, how do I say it? Um, A little higher resolution. Yeah. Um, so really the, the stamps, of course, are like pixelated, but you also get like um, shapes like triangles and, um, you know, maybe like arcs or uh, oh, like cool. cir circles and stuff like that. And yeah, you know, circles, um, they are hard to do in pixels. So yes. um, so you get, um, you know, pre-made uh, perfect circles as well. Um, like, That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and you can put them like on your um, little projects and stuff. Um, yeah, there's yeah, you can do a lot of cool things with it. There's also a paint mode um, where you use the the brush is actually controlled by the crank. So like, um, I think you uh, you use oh, wow. the crank to turn. Uh, the brush, like uh, if it was a steering wheel, uh, <laughs> and you know it was a Tron uh, light light car, no light uh, bike, um, right. something like that. Uh, I think that's the best explanation I can give. It's like you you're controlling a Tron light bike uh, with the crank, like it was a steering wheel. Uh, so tank controls, but for uh, for art, it's kind of almost like a. Uh a one knob etch a sketch, if you will. Yeah, something along yeah. those lines actually. Um there's also um what else would oh yeah. Um uh, we don't know a lot of these modes yet, but mm -hmm. there is a mode called uh code and voices. Uh mm -hmm. neither of which we know really anything about. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm have, really curious about that. My personal speculation would be that uh, the Playdate does have a microphone on the bottom, so I imagine maybe it's uh, some kind of sampler with the microphone. That that would be my idea, but of course, you know, we have no idea, right? Maybe something like the 3DS sound yeah. library or something along. Yeah, maybe. Um, for code, uh, what I imagine is something like Scratch. Um, right yeah that's um the sort of thing i can picture in my mind that would be you know very playful but also but also like a very useful creativity tool um, yeah in the right hands and i i also imagine you can combine like the code with the stamps and the music like mm -hmm. like if uh x happens um you know the like this music file starts playing and you know maybe the the character um is like one of your stamps you made on the yeah that mode um secretly dustin is actually making a competitor to pulp <laughs> oh. just kidding <laughs> but um yeah i would be really excited about a block-based programming language like scratch on the playdate i i actually advocate for it a lot on uh on the server on the discord server but you know i uh i grew up using using things like scratch and i just i just think it's it would be really really interesting to see 
how you would do something like that using a D-pad and two buttons. Yeah, I assume your requests have been silenced by the Playdate has not shipped yet meme every day. Um, uh, they get silenced by um, a few people who are very <laughs> adamant about coding. <laughs> being, It's got to be, it's got to be uh, typed out, you know, get out of here. <laughs> I, I don't know what people's deal is, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, hopefully Dustin can bring something like that to Playdate. Cool. Um, there's also the... Yeah, something I was wondering. Oh, right, right. It has like you can import gifs, um, like uh, of camera footage. Like the wow. they, they look like Game Boy camera. Um, you know. Uh, cool. Yeah. Um, so you can like import uh, pictures and then draw on top of them. Um, so. Yeah. That makes it a lot like the Game Boy camera, so that's something I'm really interested in. Same um, here. Uh, I've always kind of loved lumped in the Game Boy camera and Mario Paint in the way that they both take the you know whimsical Nintendo approach to you know user interface. So I'd love to see something like that too. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like we're getting that. Um, yeah. Something I also wonder is. And I think uh, there will be several options. Um, exporting, like oh. the files you make on the Playmaker, uh, you know, to use them um, in other places. Like, um, I hope that you can export with, um, you know, different formats, like right. for images, um, you know, PNGs or bitmaps. Um, yeah. And for uh, music, you know, MP3, uh, for example. Yeah, um, consi considering that the Playdate is so open with, you know, it's USB-C data transfer, I just, I can't imagine Dustin passing up that kind of functionality, you know? Yeah, and I actually think it is in the um, works. Uh, like, I hope it makes it to the final version. Like, mm -hmm. you can export it, uh, you know, and reuse the creations you uh make there on other projects like maybe you make um you know a really cool piece of art that um you wanna use for something else uh, maybe a game maybe a logo or something um yeah that'd be super cool um yeah, yeah. i i don't you know actually dustin has been hard at work at other stuff even on the play date uh the first pulp game that I ever played was actually Heartbreak Hotel, which is something that he, a really interesting little arcade game that he released for pulp during, uh, I think Nevin, Nevin Mirren's, uh, or I got to pronounce his name, during during Nevin's um, uh, pulp jam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really yeah. cool game. Yeah, I also played it. Uh, yeah. It's cool. Um, there's also uh, an, a Game Boy emu emulator called... Um, <laughs> I was gonna say Playboy, but no. Interesting. There's that. an idea. No, no it's not that. It's <laughs> called, um, um, I'm not sure right now uh, what the uh, name of the um, Game Boy I'm, I'm on it. game date or something like that. It was, I think. Um, but yeah, there is a Game Boy emulator uh, in the works. Game by... Game kit, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but 
<laughs> by Dustin Miro. Um, I think right now it's kind of early, but something that really, really excites me is that um, it's going to be open sourced. Oh, so, wow. yeah, I hope uh, with that code, uh, someone manages to make emulators for other things on Playdate, like maybe even a Pocket Station emulator. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah. Or Retroarch for Playdate. Or something. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. Or, yeah. or, you know, if they ported that emulator to the Frankie, which is another really, really cool one-bit handheld. Oh, really? Um, yeah, that would be really cool as well. I have actually not heard of that one. That's that's interesting. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, it's um, awesome. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting uh, that they're doing... A lot of people said, you know, Game Boy games won't work on it because it's a one-bit console, but I always kind of... Uh, you know, kind of dismiss that because there's actually a Game Boy emulator for another one-bit console of sorts, the uh, TI-84. The TI series has a Game Boy emulator that works <laughs> fantastically, actually, and it's much lower resolution than the Playdate. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I know there is a lot of emulation and some people have run Doom on the most recent models, I think. Oh, well, um, yeah, but those are much... There's, there's a big difference between, you know, the new models and the old ones, which are yeah. still from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I think, uh, well, you know, going back to the pocket station thing uh, right. and also the BMU, last time I mentioned um, that it would be really, really cool if Panic um, brought that idea back to life um, with their own first party titles. Mm -hmm. That would be, or, or like, you know, licensed games, uh, games licensed under Panic. Like, um, they say, hey, um, what if we added, uh, you know, a play date mode um, hmm. that you can take with you and you can, you know, uh, connect both experiences? I don't think you would be able to connect them via Bluetooth because, um, you know, how are you going to do that on a Switch or an Xbox One? Um, right. But I think uh, via uh, web, uh, no, via the internet, like uh, if, you know, your profiles uh, are linked to your panic profile, um, then what you do on the play data, when, what you do on the consoles uh, sync up, uh, hmm. I think that would be great. That would be really interesting. I imagine uh, if it was to happen that it would be mostly something that indie developers do considering kind of the user base of the playdate uh at least intended right and um, i imagine that um maybe um you know some yeah if that was uh you know a feature mm -hmm. um most of the games will be that use that feature will be published by panic i think with a couple yeah. of audible titles here and there like i i didn't even think about that yeah uh Panic, as Panic publishes more games like Untitled Goose Game and Firewatch, that's actually a fantastic idea. That would be super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anything else you'd like to say about uh, Playmaker or Pocket Station? Or... Uh, I feel like we kind of covered it. Um, it's really, really interesting uh, stuff to talk about. You know. Yeah. Ready for the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was super nice having you uh, in this episode. I'm looking forward to having you in more episodes. Oh, cool. Um, 
Yeah, I, I really enjoyed uh, being on. You know, it's really interesting to talk about stuff that I'm I'm so passionate about as well. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. Also, um, I'm thinking about uh, you know opening up a Discord for One Bit Wonders. I'm not sure mm. how that will go. Um, and like people commenting uh, what they um, you know think we missed in the last episode or like other kinds of feedback, um, you know, or like they, their experiences with Pocket Station and that kind of stuff. That would um, be really interesting. Yeah. Uh, maybe if I end up making one, I will put it in the description or on this or the next video, or I'll just give you an update on why I didn't in case I <laughs> make a Discord. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm also gonna leave links for you, um, like for your social media and your H.I.O. or whatever uh, on your on the description and also oh. uh, where you can find me uh, and all that stuff. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Um, this has been the seventh episode of One Bit Wonders, um, and yeah, see you. See ya. To finish off, Brinstar Breaks by DJ Cutman. <laughs>